For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? Well, we made it through the election. It wasn't what they predicted. You know, all these polls and everything that was telling us things were going a certain way, I started tuning them out. And when I went in to vote yesterday, uh, I said, dear God, I'm doing this for the good of all concern. Uh, some of the people that I voted for, thank God, were elected. Some were not. I'm disappointed about that. But my hope is that everybody that was elected will rise to the occasion and do the right thing, whatever that may be for all of us. But today, we're going to be talking about the play that goes wrong. And we have two of the amazing cast members that will be joining us today. I was lucky enough to see this show a few months ago. And this was just as the COVID pandemic uh, was about to get lifted. So I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of how a show such as the one that I do happens. Uh, I have a very dear friend and fan in London uh, who reached out to me, Sarah Wolfson, if she happens to be watching today. And she said she saw this in London and thought it was one of the funniest plays that she had ever seen. And she said, I know some of the creators from Mystery Productions. I'm going to write to them and see if we could do a show uh, with you. So she did. And they put me in touch with the publicist team here in New York. And I was invited to go and see the show. Well, the night that we went, uh, there were a lot of students there. And when there are a lot of kids in the audience, it could go one of many ways. Uh, so I was a little nervous about the fact that, oh, my God, there are all these kids. They were very loud, you know, going into the theater and everything. But I am telling you the hilarity of what was going on on that stage and what was going on in the audience, because these kids were loving it. They were theater kids. And how, I mean, for some of them, it may have been their first experience in New York. It may have been their first experience at the theater. It may have been a myriad of things. But the fact of the matter was, as a group, we were there to celebrate this show. And so I am thrilled that you are all here today to help me celebrate one of the funniest shows that I have seen uh, off-Broadway, on-Broadway, television, film, anywhere. And this cast is just amazing. But before I bring on our two cast members today, uh, let's take a little sneak peek at the excitement of what this show is all about. Welcome to the Colney University Drama Society's presentation of... The murder at Havasham Now, as short as that montage is, that's how fast the show seems. You sit down in your seats, and before you know it, it's over. Chris Lensley and 
Ellie McPherson. Thank you both for being here today. I am so thrilled. I begin both of my shows. You can decide who will go first, but I always begin my shows by asking who or what are you celebrating today? This is this is going to sound really lame, but I, I'm celebrating the I'm celebrating the opportunity to celebrate our show because uh, I I Ellie, look at your face. I love this show. Um, if I wasn't in this show, I would be a huge fan of this show, and I would see it a lot. Um, as a British person in in the US, um, I'm I'm all about <laughs> things that connect me to home and 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 that sort of thing. Um, I watch a lot of soccer <laughs> for starters. That's something that kind of ties me to home. And um, a lot of British television, comedies, that sort of thing. Um, and there is nothing to me so kind of quintessentially British humor as, uh, as this show uh, is right now. Um, so to be honest, I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to, to talk about this show, to kind of uh, celebrate what we do and what people before us have done with this in the West End and all of that. So uh, it sounds cheesy, but there it is. <laughs> There's nothing cheesy about it. And Ellie, I want to say this is your off-Broadway debut. So congratulations uh, for that achievement. And you also, uh, you have a one-woman show celebrating, is it the President's Wives? No, well, I I have a couple versions. Um, I just took, I I do a cabaret solo show about the Presidents, and I took it to Edinburgh uh, this past year, but I've also done different shows about their wives, the Vice Presidents. I'm working on one uh, about Abe Lincoln right now, so... Wow. So the timing is good on that show, especially. Yeah. Uh, so uh, which uh, out of the two of you, um, I, I know, like I said, Ellie, this is your uh, debut uh, with this show. Um, who's been in the longest? Chris. Yeah, Chris. I have. Uh, not too much longer, though, I don't think. Just a few months. Yeah, you were original, original cast. I think I joined. Yeah. Um, Eight months into the run? Eight months in. Wow. It feels like you've been with the show forever. (laughs) I started in um, when we opened off Broadway in February 2019. um, And I've been with the show since then. I did leave for a little while to do the national tour, uh, which was great. But I think, yeah, I think Ellie joined just before I left as well. Yeah. 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 So you both, and take us back there for a moment, uh, March 12th, uh, a couple of years ago, was when everything shut down. Hmm. When you first started hearing about COVID, uh, what did you think? I mean, because let's face it, in this business, something none, none of us have ever experienced COVID, but it did have the power, and it did with some, to cripple and destroy shows. It didn't with yours. Because uh, you came back stronger than ever. Um, do either of you want to respond to that and what you think the staying power is with this show and why you were able to survive uh, this tidal wave called COVID? I think purely the comedy and just the laughter and and people were so excited. Chris, do you remember like the first time people oh, yeah. laughed? In, like we just hadn't heard a group of people laughing in the same space. Yeah. And even, you know, with masks on, which is how we initially started back in, it was, you know, the beauty of our show, I think, is that it it really transcends any sort of boundaries of of identity. It's everybody thinks it's funny to fall, <laughs> you know, everybody, and, and I think well, we laugh at people when we see them fall down. Yeah, we do. But, the, yeah. but even more, I think we really like when people get back up. 
you know, yeah. and I think that that's so much of what our show is. And it's just, there's just something that's just so appealing about, about laughter, especially after such dark times. And the absurdity of, I mean, when you think that they've gone as far as they can go, you know, and it's not just actors falling down, it's set pieces falling down. It's all these things. Um, how familiar were both of you with the show prior to going into the show? I wasn't at all. I I had um, my experience with the show. I got the audition and um, I watched uh, a great clip on YouTube that the uh, original Mischief Company did for the Royal Variety performance in the UK. And I watched that. I remember I, I got the audition. I was actually, it was over the holidays. I was with my um, dad in Liverpool, which is where I'm from. And I said, I got this audition. Um, so we were just sat at the computer and I, I went up on YouTube and watched that um, 10, 15 minute clip. We were laughing for the whole time through it, but also I was sitting there terrified <laughs> and intimidated by everything that they were doing. Um, I hadn't seen it on um, Broadway because I have a tendency to to wait with British shows until I happen to be in London. I tend to prioritize the shows that are only on Broadway. Um, so I hadn't seen it live. Um, still haven't, actually. <laughs> uh, and Ellie? I haven't, honestly. I, I, I saw it once, um, just before, when we were on a layover from tour. I saw it once, actually. That's, that's, that's not true. But um, yeah, that's the only time. I wish I'd seen it before. I wish I'd seen it blind without knowing exactly what was coming. So I go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say that I had because I I was in graduate school at the time, and one of my best friends was the stage manager of the Broadway production, and he actually said, "Hey, come see the show. I think you I think you'd really think it's funny, and also I think you'd really like the cast. I think they're really they're really fun, and they're kind of your sense of humor." And so I went and saw the show when I was still in grad school, and like hung out with you know, the original cast after and Maddie and, um, and never, you know, dreaming that maybe one day I would get to like be in the show, maybe. And then <laughs> did, and did, do you, uh, because I believe in manifestation, do you believe in the back of your mind that you were thinking I'm going to be in the show at some point or did that never cross your mind? Um, I worked. Yeah. You know what? I think I did. I think I did. I worked really hard to get in the show. I auditioned three times for this I auditioned for like the first national this uh the original off-Broadway and then for the second national and I finally got a call back in the second national by that time I was just so I think immer I think I understood the material better you know because like so much of what I was going for the laugh and like you don't go for the laugh in this show you actually just no. go for the truth you know? Oh, you have to. Yeah. Absolutely. I am very interested in process. And I want to talk with each of you about process and uh, the journey uh, to where we are today. Um, so and I'm going to start with you, Chris. Um, you ha were not familiar with the sh uh, show. Uh, well, you had seen uh, the Royal Variety uh, yeah. uh, presentation. But how did the audition come about for you? Um, well, I was I was in the UK over, at the time um, over the holidays. Um, I was working a day job. I hadn't had too many opportunities to audition for theater because I, I had a day job at the time. I've been doing a lot of commercials and a bit of TV and that sort of thing. Um, but my agent sent it to me and was like, do you think, do you think this could be something you could do? Um, and then when I saw that clip, yes, this is a hundred percent something I can do. And when I say I went into it blind, um, I think what prepared me was growing up watching the same shows and comedies that had influenced the writers of this show. 
um, especially Faulty Towers. I don't know if you've seen yes, that. Yes, um, John Cleese yes. in that, Basil Faulty, is uh, a big, huge inspiration for me as, uh, as Chris Bean. Um, so I, I do think, even though I kind of went in without too much knowledge about the show itself, obviously I'd read it and read the audition sides. Um, I think what really helped me was um, knowing where the writers were coming from a little bit, if that makes sense. Um, I also, I auditioned for the role of Jonathan um, and, and booked the role of Jonathan, who I played uh, up until I left for the national tour where I switched to uh, Chris Bean. Uh, Jonathan is the deceased, uh, who is not great at being the deceased. <laughs> yeah. to say the least. Um, and I covered Chris, I understudied Chris. Uh, so that's, that's been an interesting process as well. Um, finding, finding the character almost half through someone else's eyes as well. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've gone too far on the question. No, 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 no. I, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, and Ellie, with you, it's a little different. You said that you auditioned for it three times. Mm -hmm. So obviously this is something that you pursued. Mm -hmm. um, did you reach out to your agent? Uh, how did you go about getting that, uh, for those actors who are watching, uh, how did you go about getting that first audition? Um, I asked my friend who was the stage manager at the time if he could you know get me um just get me seen and um and he did you know so it's all about it, it's not always about your agent in fact i don't have an agent i still don't so i <laughs> i'm gonna sh share an interesting story with both of you dixie carter you mm -hmm. both know who dixie carter was mm -hmm. do you know chris who D designing women she plays julia sugarbaker on designing women google her look her up yeah but one of the holy grails for new york cabaret artist uh is the uh, carlisle and uh, i saw an interview with her uh, years ago on the dick cavett show uh and she was being interviewed and uh he uh said you're one of the few people that I've had on this show that I didn't go through an agent or a manager. And she said she used to have a, a manager. And when she said that she wanted to perform at the Carlisle, his response was, why? That's just in a hotel. Not realizing the prestige of playing this. And she said she got rid of him. And she says, now I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. I'm not knocking agents and managers because I love agents and managers. I'm just saying in her case, and it's, you know, you're proving that you don't necessarily need that to get these opportunities in the theater, which I think is wonderful. Um, so how did you prepare for your audition, Ellie? Um, I also, I, the first audition I did go and watch the show actually and uh when it because it was still on broadway when i saw it and i that wasn't helpful <laughs> because, <laughs> because i was trying to do what what the gal was doing on stage you know and like that's uh, that's not the point you right the point is to like do you <laughs> on stage not somebody else and it took some time for me to kind of um get that and just be more comfortable and like what what i was bringing i think to that um yeah. Is that why I mean, I mean you you believe that that is why when you first auditioned that yeah. you and uh what was it about your audition the third time that was the charm Um I to be honest I was also in callbacks for another gig and so I didn't have the oh if I don't book this like nothing's going to you know it's not going to I was actually much more relaxed it was that kind of thing of like I could take it or leave it honestly like this is this would be wonderful. I would love this, but this isn't going to make or break my life, my career, any of that, you know? And I was also in that, that third time I was actually in callbacks for the second, for the tour. 
Um, and so I thought if I book this, I'm going to be on the road for six months, you know, and it just so happened that actually they ended up placing me off Broadway instead. But, you know, maybe it's that just that thing of not feeling is quite so pressured. How many cities is the show currently playing in? Do you uh, know? Because there are, I mean, I, I just put it on the screen. There is a tour uh, going on and it's playing in various cities around the country. And uh, it's still in London as well. Still in London. Yeah, um, I think right now it's just us two cities in terms of like uh, under the mischief worldwide it may be being produced regionally in other places i'm not sure so chris with you how did you prepare for your audition um what what ellie said there really resonated with me especially about the the pressure that I, I i i really get stressed out in auditions to be honest i <laughs> ellie's like yeah i, I see that <laughs> Um, no, I do like, for those same reasons. I'm like, I really want the gig. I, 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 I want it almost too much. Uh, and then I go in there and I put too much pressure on myself and I don't give my best work. Um, with this one, I mean, the first audition, I had to move my flights from the UK. Um, I landed the day before the audition and the next, the audition itself was early. I think it was the pre-screen. Um, it was very early. Um, I remember it vividly i i had prepared i i had a whole thing um i think the jet lag played its part because i wasn't so stressed out and i wasn't so worried and i i just came up with kind of a, a wacky idea the the character of jonathan which is the one i auditioned for and originally played uh he was he was um compared to james bond but not quite in the breakdown you know he thinks he's james bond but he isn't so i really took that to heart uh gave him like a little pistol you know the suave thing um and the room was so warm when I walked in there um, that between the the preparation I'd done in a in a, in a, a kind of fog <laughs> and and the room being so accommodating and warm, um, it all just felt like it came together. And I, I there was actually a, a young man who left the audition room and was very upset. He could I could tell he was upset and he was stressed out with his performance and somebody left the room to who was one of the auditionees uh, the auditioners to go and console him and put their arm around him and make sure he felt okay and for some reason that kind of calmed my nerves as well knowing that somebody in the room before i even went in there was that nice and warm that they would come out and just you know have a word with somebody and that warmth went all the way through the audition process i've never had an audition process quite like this one before at the callbacks which was a two-day process um, day one, all three writers were there, a lot of people behind the desk, but it's, it began with everybody called back, two or three people called back for each role, uh, all in the room together, all warming up together uh, with the writers. They led it, running around the room like crazy people, and that just kind of dissipated all the nerves, took them away from me, and just it became a process that was fun and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. uh, even Even going into smaller groups and then playing the role you were auditioning for in front of the other people who were auditioning for it. Uh, it just made it a very collaborative process. And um, I don't know, I always wonder if they do this because the show is such an ensemble piece. I wonder if they do this so that they can kind of see how people work with each other and see anyone who's maybe a little too precious to perform in front of other people auditioning for a role. I don't know. I'm reading into that, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed it throughout. Um, they had me read for Chris Bean, who I ended up understudying and now play um, a lot in those as well. And I wasn't as prepared for that. I'd only prepared for Jonathan. And um, 
in a way, again, not being prepared kind of it, helped me. Know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything could go wrong and possibly will. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ellie, uh, Chris mentioned earlier his influences of, uh, you know, the British uh, comedies and shows that he did. You have any particular image? I know that you had seen the show prior, so you already had that image. And once you were able to move away from that and find your own uh, authentic self uh, in the show, uh, obviously it worked for you. Uh, but did you have an idea in the back of your mind of someone that you were emulating in terms of your audition when you were auditioning for the role? Yeah, you know, I will say I... Um... I grew up also with a lot of British comedy, weirdly, even though neither of my parents are British. My dad was really into Monty Python, so I I was kind of also versed in it. But I, I you just reminded me that I, I watched Gosford Park. Oh, um, yes, yes. I watched that movie like three times, I think, before I went into the audition because I thought, oh, well, that that's what the murder at Haversham Manor is wants to be. So what if you do it like it's... Gosford Park, like it's the Robert Altman film, and, and it's just going wrong, you know. And I think actually that kind of um, that was what was helpful. Uh, Chris, you mentioned uh, the audition process, uh, and uh, you go into any audition, and you obviously are thinking of the individual self going into any piece. But this show is such an ensemble piece. Uh, and did you, and you really touched upon this, if you can elaborate a little more about the, the stress, how they stressed the ensemble aspect of what was needed from you in order for you to acclimate yourself into this company. Yeah, I think, I mean, I touched on it with casting. I think, I think they are, have been very careful about the type of person they've cast in the show. Um, I think the audition process and the way they do that allows them to see personalities and and match personalities as well. Um, so I think naturally on day one of rehearsal, um, we A, have that great, fun, collaborative audition process that we were all in together, you know, that we, we've all kind of experienced it as a group. Oh, it's you. Really? Oh, so good to see you. You know, arms around each other, that kind of thing. Um, so we have that already, but they've also picked people who are kind of predisposed to just being accommodating and lovely and nice to each other. Excuse me um, for interrupting, but I, I want to ask yeah. you, and, and Ellie, I want the same thing from you. Uh, when you auditioned, are you auditioned uh, with other actors that are up for the show or are they already part of the ensemble? Uh, they're just looking to see how you're interacting with each other. What is that exactly like? Uh, my audition was with people that were just coming in as well. Okay. Yeah. And I actually, uh, the second day of callbacks, auditioned with uh, one of the, the the lady playing Sandra on Broadway at that time um, as well. So we did have kind of a mix of auditioning with new people and uh, experienced people as well, uh, which was interesting. And I'm sure that with a company like this, uh, that actors come and go. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, what... And obviously, everybody brings their own uh, authentic self to the table. Um, what is the experience like for each of you? Uh, I mean, number one, going into a company that's already established. And number two, new people coming into a show with an established company, especially a show like this, where timing is of the utmost importance. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> we actually were very lucky in that we stuck together for a very long time. It was the same people probably. Yeah. It's not the norm. And I just think it's part of the, like the beauty of the sh people love doing the show so much. And we loved each other so much because of this ensemble, I think that was created and casting and, and this choice of people that, um, probably more than another, any other long running show. I think we were together probably for 18 months, especially um, coming back from the pandemic. Um, and it's only very recently. Yeah, sorry. Were there any COVID casualties? And in, in, I mean, actors that uh, actually did have to leave because of COVID. Uh, and if so, um, doing the show, uh, how, I mean, how many people double different roles and uh, what's your standby and understudy situation? Because I do want to give a huge shout out to standbys and swings. You know, very, and I'm sure that they're very important in your company, majorly important in your company. Truly, I mean, uh, yeah, Mischief are a fantastic company for that because um, I was an understudy and I got elevated into the role that I covered. And that's, I'm not the first person that's been the case for. Um, you know, they're, they're really kind to uh, understudies and swings and really um, aware of how difficult that work is. Um, we have um, in the building two male and two female understudies. Um, each of the male understudies, uh, I think they know four and five roles each. Mm -hmm. And um, the two female understudies know both female roles. Uh, we also have a pretty good bench now as well of people who have done the show on the national tours, uh, on Broadway, uh, people who have been in our show off Broadway and aren't in it anymore. And I think because of Again, that ensemble, um, we had that great audition process. We have essentially a one room dressing room that we're all in cracking jokes to each other the whole time. Um, because of all of that, people are always willing to come back to this show. Uh, and people are hoping to get the opportunity to come back and do it again for a few weeks. Um, so it's great. And, and we love, you know, we have great WhatsApp groups. We have, uh, we love seeing these people come back and, and have, uh, you know, see our old friends again in the dressing room. Yeah, it's great. That's wonderful. Ellie, any, you want to touch on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you asked about COVID. Yeah, like everybody, we had to deal with some things. Actually, last Christmas, remember, Chris, last Christmas, we had five oh, yeah. understudies on out of a cast of eight. We put five people on. We, yeah. You know, the team's been so great. Also about, you know, people just really stepping up and doing parts that they've never done before. <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah. showing up an hour before and being a new part and yeah you know i think it's been um it's in, it's been really interesting and you know both chris and i have been under studies uh, i i still am but you know and and i think it just gives you such a new appreciation also for the complexity of the work and and how all the different parts work together you know i i i spent i didn't do my second cover for almost a year mm. <laughs> It took a year for me to go do my second cover. And now that I've finally done her, I see more of the picture of the show than yeah. just as that one gal. So really great. Chris, I want to talk about your training for a moment. Uh, mm -hmm. Your training that you had prior to the show. What in terms of your training uh, really prepared you to be able to go into this show? Ooh. Well, I start, I mean, I suppose my training started... Um, I was in the National Youth Theatre of Great Britain for a number of years until I moved to the US. Um, I mean, I did all sorts of shows all over the UK. Um, and I think that was really helpful as well. This this company is um, 
sorry, my computer beeped for no reason there. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the company, the original Mischief Company, have, have kind of developed the show all over the country at the Edinburgh Fringe, touring in various productions and that sort of thing. So I do think that helped as well and working with so many great British directors over, over those years. And then moving here, uh, a lot of my training, um, as a lot of training does in the US and in New York in particular, um, kind of revolves around being in the moment and uh, reacting um, to things as they happen, uh, which is probably one of the most important elements of this show. Things are constantly happening to our cast, to the actors in this show. Um, so that ability to just kind of roll with it and experience fresh every night, especially in a long run like this as well. But it's so crucial that all of these things that are about to happen, we don't telegraph it and we just kind of experience it as they come. So I do, I, I think I'm fortunate to have that kind of mix of, uh, British training and American training as well. Um, it really lends itself well. And I wonder as well, I, I I'm, I'm dying to see the West End production. I might get to do that this December, but Wow. Um, I'm wondering if there are differences between the American and the West End um, versions of the show. And um, if I'm, you know, specifically kind of the training has. Well, maybe we'll bring them just on. for this version, which is kind of an amalgam, perhaps. <laughs> uh, and what uh, and Ellie, same thing, your training that prepared you uh, for this show. It is such a physical show. Yeah, I was just thinking um, I trained as a dancer for almost 15 years and I think uh, I know surprise Chris and uh, and I think that that kind of um physiological kind of understanding is was really helpful it was really helpful and I had studied I went to Upright Citizens Brigade um for improv and sketch comedy and a, a few other things and I think that that was really helpful too with some of the comedy aspects of the show now Chris you also did the national tour of this show yeah. Uh, so how long have you been with the show altogether? Uh, rehearsal started January 2019 for the off-Broadway production, um, where I was rehearsing for Jonathan to cover Chris. And I was so fortunate to get cast as Chris in the second national tour, uh, which began set, uh, October 2019. Uh, so really, yeah, January 2019 is when my journey began. I was in the tour until COVID shut us down. Um, in uh well you know we know when know when that happened um so what about three years just over perhaps wow have you done longer runs than this or is this no. the longest run you've this had is the the longest run wow so How long may it continue <laughs> well congratulations on that thank you uh every actor's dream uh so congratulations uh being with the show uh for three years um what is your uh regular routine as far as the show and keeping yourself in great physical shape and being mm. up to uh, being able to be on uh, uh, point uh, a dancer's uh, term, uh, you know, uh, at all times. I mean, it's, it's a challenging show. Um, it's, it's a, it's a lot to do eight times a week. Um, especially having, you know, matinees and evening performances over the weekend. It's, it's tough. Um I'm lucky to have a great gym right next door to the theater because I'm somebody who wouldn't go there if I didn't literally fall out of the theater into the gym. Uh, so that's really helpful uh, with the more physical bits. Um, and it's kind of, you know, getting stronger with the show has helped me expand on those physical moments too, which is really nice to feel. Um, I'd, I'd say, honestly, the most challenging part is the mental aspect of it. Um, keeping the show fresh after such a long time. Um, 
And I, I think what I'm really finding with that is it, it it's kind of, it's forgiving myself a little bit. Um, I'm somebody who is, um, who puts a lot of pressure on myself to do well um, and to do well all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, if things don't go right uh, or things don't go the way I intend them to, or I try something new and it doesn't quite it goes wrong. hit or it goes wrong, <laughs> yes. then yeah, forgiving myself and kind of almost celebrating the fact that I tried. Um, that, that, that's become more and more important for me and something I wouldn't have imagined or expected to be so important to me when I started out, uh, on this show. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a big, that's a big part of it too. Okay. And Elliot, what about yourself? Uh, how long have you been with the show altogether? Um, since sept uh, September of 2019. So also almost. Is this your longest run or have you had longer yes, runs? Definitely. What's your preparation in terms of? Uh, being able to be on point with this. I also work out <laughs> a lot. It's important. It's important. And, um, and I think, uh, yeah, and I keep my voice pretty warm pretty frequently because you never know yeah. when you're going to go on in the show. And, you know, I have a different, because I'm not always on like Chris is, um, I, I will watch the show um, probably once a week, maybe, maybe sometimes twice, just stand mm -hmm. back at the monitors and just watch just to keep myself, you know, if there's any, just to keep abreast of any sort of total changes or any sort of rhythm changes, you know, cause it, it's a living thing. And so it, it will change mm -hmm. this understudy. You kind of want to go in and keep the, help keep the rhythm in the same, you know, help the boat stay the same of course. So. Well, the show has such a heightened sense of reality. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you wind down after the show, Chris? That's that, that's really hard to do. I find that really, really challenging. My my character in particular, Chris Bean, is um, stressed out the entire two hours. He yeah. is somebody who wants this show to be going as well as it possibly can, which it isn't from the very first moment he walks on stage. Little things are just cutting away at, at him for two yes. hours yes. so i i leave the show stressed out <laughs> a lot of uh, adrenaline and everything kind of running around my body um i i find the train journey helps uh i like to watch something on the train home ellie calling back to ellie's um you know she watches british shows she's uh, got me onto a show called taskmaster recently which i've been watching on the way home every religiously i have quite a long commute as well um I've been painting miniatures um, oh, next to my cool. desk. That is something that kind of just calms me down. And I have my little paintbrush and my magnifying glass, and I do that. Um, video I games. So artist. I mean, Carol Channing was a good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know this about her, but she became an artist when she was doing Hello, Dolly. Because yeah. she needed something to help her you know, wind yeah. down with the show. And so she started doing these incredible uh, art pieces. Wow. So yeah. Whole, it's, it's uh, and Tony Bennett, you've got a whole new career out of you, Chris. Yeah, perhaps. It's I, I, what I love about it is it's creative, but it is it is low stakes. I'm on my own. It is relaxing, but it's still creative. And it's kind of a, a really nice in the same world as doing the show, which is a whole creative thing. It's a nice little wind down. Um, and, so, and it makes my eyes tired as well, which helps. <laughs> and Ellie? Yeah, I do crosswords. <laughs> I do a lot of crosswords and I, I read because um, I'm a big nerd. 
So I read a lot. <laughs> no, I'm a huge reader. So, you know, that's not, well, maybe I'm a nerd too. I don't know, but uh, I love, I love that about both of you. And I want to talk about this other aspect. Chris, you have a family. Uh, Ellie, you both have, you know, a life beyond this. Uh, how do you balance the two? Uh, either of you can go first. <laughs> With great difficulty? Yeah, not well. <laughs> not well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a real tug of war, um, to be honest. Um, we have a tough schedule. We have a very yeah, unique, it is a very tough schedule. A very unique schedule in that we, we only have one night off a week. Mm -hmm. And that night is a Tuesday. And that is uh, inconvenient for everybody. Uh, no one yeah. is happy about that, you know. And so... Um, it's, uh, it's hard. I mean, my partner and I make a, make a, my husband, oh my gosh, we're married. I forgot. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's only been a month. Um, my husband, oh, congratulations. And I, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Um, not divorced yet. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we make a point to like see each other. Last night was our date night. We went and saw comedy together and at dinner. And then we make a point to see each other in the mornings on Saturday and Sunday. But if you don't make the time, it doesn't, it really doesn't happen. I mean, Chris, probably yeah. the same way. you've really got to carve it out. Um, and and the reason I say it's a tug of war is that our schedule, uh, our schedule's tough to begin with. But, um, you know, when things happen, you know, um, somebody has an injury or they're out of the show for a little while, or we have new people in, or we, you know, have a, a, a character recast and we're in rehearsals that adds to our time and you know when I was an understudy and Ellie being an understudy it's it's hard to have that additional time of those two rehearsals a week too uh, my wife works during the day um when I'm free and then I work during the evening exactly. um so if you don't make a point of carving it out uh then it doesn't happen what my wife's actually been out of town for three weeks now she's visiting friends and family around the world um and kind of going back to that a question about winding down after a show i i hadn't realized how important she a part she played in that um i've been really stressed out the last three weeks because i, I without realizing it coming home to another person and uh, uh you know somebody who has been relaxing that evening pulls me into her world and without that i've um yeah that's I, I now that i'm recognizing it it's helpful but um until i had so um, Getting back to the title, The Play That Goes Wrong, any particular moments that either of you want to share about a crazy moment that's actually gone wrong in the show that has taken all of you by surprise? I wasn't there for the platform drop, but Chris, is that what you were going to say? <laughs> no, I was going to give something else. But, oh, well, um, see what you were going to say. I was going to say um, in our first year, um, pre-COVID, before I went on tour, so sometime between February 2019 and September 2019, um, there's, a, there's a whole bit with a, a missing dog in the show. And um, <laughs> so there's, there's, you know, in the pre-show, um, the, the, the and understudies who play assistant stage managers, uh, as well as Trevor and Annie, who are the two um, crew members in the show, uh, they go out into the audience and um, look for a dog who is missing that we are supposed to have in Act Two, and we ask the audience, "Do you have you seen a dog? Do you know where that is?" My character Chris Bean cannot hear about it. He's the director. He'd get very upset if he did. But uh, the others are talking to the audience. And one night, um, when uh, you know, uh, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but um, 
when there is a need for the dog, uh, a member of the audience got up, walked up the steps, walked onto the stage, and uh, knelt down and put his arms like this and played the role of the dog. Oh! Until he did this, it was, it was kind of terrifying. He didn't know what he was going to do. Oh! Uh, but he just knelt down, and, uh, and he was the dog. And uh, until um, the guy playing Chris Bean at the time yelled at him and told him to get off the stage, and oh! <laughs> management came down. And uh, the, be the best, and I really feel for the guy. He obviously thought this was the right thing to do. Um, he, you know, well, he, he spoke with stepped right in. That's a, he that's just a, stepped right in, and he spoke with the ushers, and he watched the rest of the show. And I could see his. He was sat with his girlfriend. She was stroking his arm the whole rest of the of the show. And I, if that person ever listens to this, I, I want you to know that you brought us all so much joy. And you may have been really embarrassed by that, but but we're so grateful you did that. That was great and very funny. Please, no one else do that. But, yeah. you know, that one guy, um, thank you. <laughs> it gives us a really good story. Ellie, do you have a, a similar situation? No, I actually just realized that I probably, we probably can't tell that story because I think it gives something away. So never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> tell me later. Tell me later. And uh, so, you know, one of the things that I want to do with each of you as a wind down so we can get to know you a little bit better. Uh, and everyone, I want to tell you, New World Stages, uh, it's an open-ended run. Uh, so uh, how long are you both contracted to be with the show? Are you able to tell us that? Um, yeah, I, I don't see why. I, I'm, I'm currently scheduled um, until the end of January, but um, I, I, as long as they want me, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> good for you. That's, uh, that's good. I hope to come back and see you in it. That's great. And Ellie? Uh, through April. Great. Good for you. And, uh, you know, this is a great, I mean, and of course, the holidays and, you know, being in New York and going to see shows. Like, the, I mentioned that the night that I was there, uh, there was a children's uh, theater group that was there the night that I saw it. And they were just so into everything. And they were getting, surprising to me, every theater joke. Mm. Because there are so many of them. Mm. And they got every single one. And they were just like rolling in the aisles. Um, Chris, do you remember the first time that you went to the theater as a kid? I do. Um, I saw... I grew up in Liverpool and I saw a production of Blood Brothers at the Liverpool Empire. Uh, Blood Brothers is one of my favorite shows. Uh, I absolutely Marilyn love Monroe. it. Marilyn Monroe. Pardon? Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just, it, it, it was an incredible experience, not just because it was my first time seeing a show, but because it's the show is set in Liverpool and it is still so relevant to the city uh, and the people. Um, there was just a very electric I mean, it, I didn't recognize it in the moment. I just thought this is what every show was like. But um, obviously, it was just the audience was just so electric. And, and Willie Russell as a writer is so important to the city oh, as well. Yes. So so just having my first show be Blood Brothers, which talks about important issues that are still relevant uh, in the city that it's about, uh, was a really special first theater experience for me. And Ellie, same question. The first time that you were, that your first memory of going to the theater. Yeah, my my mom took me to um, like a probably illegal production of Annie. Like I doubt they got the rights, kind of thing, in a in a cafeteria. I think I was four, and she turned to me and she said, "Do you want to do that?" And I said, "Yeah, I think so." And that was that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, when did you make up your mind that this was the path that you were going to be on? I think it was around that same time. I think I was 
nine or ten um and i was uh i was at school and they were doing a, a school play and i remember the cast list not the cast list going the um audition list uh i don't think anyone auditioned i think it was just three columns that said do you want a lot of lines a medium amount of lines or not many lines so i signed up for not many lines and ended up playing nurse anesthetic um, who was a, a very silly role. She was behind a, uh, a screen with a shadow kind of thing when she was pulling things out of a, uh, a body and a surgeon. And that was about it. I didn't really do much, um, but I loved it. And I loved hearing people laugh. And, uh, and then I think because I, oh, sorry, I told you this. No, might uh, um, <laughs> I love it. Um, I think because of that, that's when my parents decided to bring me along to uh, see Blood Brothers. They saw that I loved it and I was interested in it. And uh, and that's that's how it began for me, I think. So, yeah, eight, nine, ten years old. Um, yeah, that was it for me. I, I never, I haven't wavered. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Uh, once it grabs you, it's it, it oh, it's impossible. You. Kelly, uh, yourself, uh, what was the moment for you? Yeah, the the company that did Annie, they had like a little training place and it was literally in a garage in texas um i am from texas Mm -hmm. and they um they had like a a little performing group called garage gang and you wore these red little you wore these red blazers with black sequins on it and you performed in malls and they put me in it i think just because i was like a, a really cute little blonde girl and and they made me the partridge and the pear tree when we did the christmas song when we did the deck the halls and i I took, I found a, a duck bill and I brought it to the, sh- to the show that we were doing. And no one knew that I was doing this. I was like five or six and I put it on and it just like killed, you know, <laughs> everyone just like thought it was so funny. And, um, and this is like an infamous story in my family. We were in the car on the way home and I'm sitting in the back seat going, who stole it? Who stole it? Who stole it? It's me. And I'm a monster and continue to be a monster. And, yes, and nothing has it. changed. And you're exactly. still stealing it. So I've got three random questions that I'm going to ask each of you. I haven't even looked at the questions. And I'm going to start with you, Ellie. And it says identify a cause of conflict in uh, the show and take steps to resolve it. The show is all about all these conflicts. Mm-hmm. What is the hardest thing that you've had to deal with? Uh, doing this show and how did you get through it? Um, I think the hardest thing uh, is actually making the character my own um, and not trying to be an exact carbon copy of uh, whoever it is that I'm covering. You know, like I said, you want to stay in the lane, but you don't want any, you don't want to go too far off, but like it also has to be your own. And so I think just honestly, time has made that. It sounds to me from both of you, And if this is the case, kudos to the writers, the director, the entire mischief company, uh, that they allow you to bring what you bring to the table. Yeah. So, and that's not always the case. So that's incredible. Correct. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Great. Um, Chris, uh, it says, uh, it says commit to solving a problem that's been bugging you for a while. Give yourself a timeline. (laughs) Um, is there something that's been bugging you for a while that you just want to put it out there right now in the show or in the show or in life? It's, this is your moment. <laughs> oh goodness. You can't say think? in-laws, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he can, if he wants, oh, yes. I could, but I wouldn't. Okay, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Oh goodness. 
um, a problem that's been bugging me for a while. Um, I, I, I've struggled. Uh, I suppose I played the role on the tour, um, which is playing the role in front of much bigger houses. Um, and I think I have, and also pre-COVID, um, so a year and a half of not doing it and uh, thinking back to, oh, that time I played Chris Bean on the tour uh, and then coming back and playing Jonathan for a long time. Um, I know, and, and I'm not saying that I've sucked, but I know that I've ha- I, I feel that I've had a hard time um, adjusting from 3,500 to 350, mm-hmm. adjusting from you know, a rehearsal process recently and discoveries recently and work recently to work that has now been a year and a half later on the role. Um, and kind of, I had an interesting process. I found out that I would be playing Chris and then um, the guy playing Chris at the time, um, he uh, had a COVID out. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say that without saying his name. Um, so uh, I was thrust into it immediately without the time to prep, uh, really. So I've been kind of finding it in performance. And um, I think I'm at the end of that timeline. I'm going to give myself another month of grace to, uh, uh, and again, I'm not saying I, I've sucked or the show sucks or anything. I'm just saying I know I can bring more, um, which actually, I don't know if I want to give a timeline for that because I always want to feel like I can bring more. But um, those are the specific issues that I'm like, yeah, I want to work on that. And I want to keep working on that. And uh, I want to, um, I feel like in certain degrees, that's holding me back. And that's something I need to work through. And this last question is going to be for both of you. And I'm going to start with you, Ellie. And it says, uh, how did you meet your best friend? So uh, who do you consider your best friend? And in the in- I'm going to ask, who do you consider your best friend in the industry? Uh, um, Am I putting you on right. the spot? You no. don't have to say me. No. <laughs> um, my, besides my husband, okay, okay, whatever. We're, he's more best friends. Okay, cool. Actually, my friend, um, my friend Nicole Capitasto and I did college theater together, and she interned. She was like the stage manager for some, you know, BS college theater program that I was doing college show that I was doing and um she's now a a fancy publicist PR rep for Matt Ross and um I'm here and we live together and it was it was wonderful and she's it's nice to have a friend that's not um that's in the business but not an actor I I totally agree with that and what about yourself Chris oh it's hard to look past my good friend Matt Harrington um he um originated the role off Broadway that I play now um (laughs) I don't think you'll mind me saying this. I was terrified to be an understudy. I'd never done it before. I came into this show understudying a very daunting role. Chris is a very daunting role with a lot of elements to him. And uh, Matt played him brilliantly. Um, Matt, um, Matt's a stressor. He stresses out. Uh, kind of like me, actually. But yeah. um, again, Ellie, you, you don't think you'll mind me saying this, right? No. Um, no. Um, and uh, God, I would I would worry that he was going to call out, and I'd have to go on um, to the point where, at least to begin with, I'd be like, "Do you want to do you want to get something to eat between shows, and we'll just hang out and you know relax?" And uh, and that kind of became uh, that's what begun our friendship. Of <laughs> I think it came from a place of can't we, we'll just we'll we'll go and have um, some food between shows, and you'll be fine tonight, right? I think that's where our friendship began. And then just spending all this extra time together, we became really close. And then when I got to play the role, 
um, we talk about it. We we enjoy it together, and we we think about it. And uh, he's now moved to Leopoldstadt, um, which is really cool. And uh, I was his guest at opening, which was really nice. That's just to show how far from not knowing each other at the start of this show to to where we are now. Um, he and I have become really close friends. That's wonderful. I want to thank you both for being here today. I'm going to say my closing remarks for today. And then, Ellie, I'm going to let you speak first because I know you've got to get out of here and I'm watching the clock. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, Chris, I'll let you have the final word today. It can be about anything that we talked about today that you want to expound upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with today. Uh, this is your chance to do so. Um, I want to thank Jackie Green. Uh, for making this happen today. Uh, my friend Sarah Wolfson, uh, who saw the show originally in London and said, you've got to do a show on this. Um, I had such a blast at the theater. I want to tell everybody, if you get a chance to go see the play that goes wrong, by all means, it's at New World Stages in New York. I love that space. I love the theater. I, you know, I I'm going to say from the moment you get there, the ushers, the ticket takers, every person that works there. Uh, I've never had a bad experience with any show that I've ever gone. Uh, it's almost as if they're welcoming you back into the fold every time you go to see a show. And they set the tone from the moment you walk into the theater. Uh, so across the board, uh, I shout out to everybody. Um, every day I pull a word for the day. And the word that I pulled today was inclusion. And I've been thinking a lot about uh, the stress that we've all gone through over the last few weeks leading up to yesterday and the election. And we're still sitting waiting for certain things to come in. As I said at the beginning, certain people that I voted for got in, certain people didn't. But what I love is that this nation came together and voted and everybody went out and did what they did. And it doesn't matter to me. Who they voted for at this point, uh, the fact is that they had the opportunity to do so. And I think that with everything, how lucky we are that we can go to the theater, that we can choose to see what we want to see, and that we do have those freedoms in this country. I'm all about celebrating artists and their body of worth. Uh, Ellie and Chris, I want you to know that you are welcome here anytime. Anytime you have something that you feel that you want to talk about, by all means, call me, come back. Uh, I've had so much fun seeing you, Chris, in the show. Ellie, I can't wait to see you in the show. Uh, so uh, it's just such a fun, fun, fun show. I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Uh, go to your uh, list. I, everybody, I've been sharing this and I'm saying at the end of my shows, I'm leaving Facebook uh, on December 1st, which is a big move for me because I've been on Facebook for 14 years, but I'm writing a new show and I want to put my focus on that. I'm moving in that direction. And there's a great commercial running right now on TV that says, separate yourself from the herd. And I'm separating myself from the herd and I'm focusing on what I need to do to move forward. But I still will continue to celebrate artists such as Chris and Ellie and what they bring to the table. And I want to say, I have a dear friend, as you all know, Sean Moniger, who says we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. You never know what someone else is going through right now. But I always say, if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. 
And on that note, I'm going to leave the screen and it's all yours, Ellie. And don't worry about how to leave. I know how to end for both of you. So thank you for being here and have a wonderful afternoon. It's all yours. Thank you. Uh, just thanks for having us today. This was wonderful. What a what a unique and uh, warm interview. Yeah, I'd second that as well. It's uh, I really love the conversational aspect of what we've done today. It was really nice just to kind of to not feel any pressure or anything like that, just to have a chat and uh, enjoy talking about our show, which honestly it, we're all so passionate about um, in the play that goes wrong. Um, you mentioned, um, Richard, the, the staff and everyone at New World Stages. Um, to a person, they are lovely and so accommodating and you know so welcoming to audiences but also to us as um cast members and and our crew and and everyone in the show um there are elements in the show where um before the show um some of the cast might go out and uh in the in character and have to do a few things we, we lightly touched on that um and the, you know what <laughs> the, the staff at new world stages love to improv with us and, and do that back too um, which is really cool. And um, they're just lovely people. So thank you for mentioning that. One thing you mentioned um, that I'd just love to really kind of expand on very, very quickly is um, how fantastic Mischief is at letting people um, bring themselves to their performances and what they want to bring. You're not told as an understudy that you have to copy what the person in the role is doing. Um, and uh, you, you really get to express yourself uh, to an extent as, as a character. Uh, with your characterization and I love that um, they're such to use your word from the day an inclusive company um, they're lovely people uh, they love to use people over and over again I see that in the West End um, I see a lot of the same names from the play that goes wrong in bank robbery and in magic goes wrong etc um, and they really kind of support what you want to bring and what you can bring yourself um, so I'm really grateful for to mischief for that as well um, and grateful to you for giving us the opportunity to talk about our show as well. So thank you, Richard. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.